my parents were, were, were hippies. We went out to the summer of love in 1967 in San Francisco. We were flower children, if you will. I got arrested before I was 18 because I was a juvenile. If I had been put in the system, I would have gotten put in prison. I would have had to fight for my life. Um, you know, I'm hard to kill as it is, so I'm sure I would have just gotten more hard, right? Yeah. And I learned my lesson to a certain degree. I can't say I didn't break the law <laughs> from that point on, but at least I didn't get caught. How about yeah. that? My objective is to live till the day I die, right? To move. That's why I love the Qigong, to move my body till the day I die. I tell you, I wake up every morning and I love my urine and I know what's going on with my body depending on what it tastes like. I am a humble, kind, and gentle man. My mission is to raise human consciousness and change all systems. My vision is clean air, water, soil, and equitable systems for all mankind in my lifetime. Hey guys, and welcome to the I Love Success podcast. Before we get started, I just want to take a moment to thank you all for listening and watching this show. We have listeners for, from more than 40 countries now all over the world, and I'm just super grateful that you guys are tuning in, that you want to be on this mission of making the best of your life. That's why we're here today to share and I want to hear from you guys. What are you struggling with right now? What are your goals? How can we help? So check me out at Peter Jumrukovsky. You can easily see that in iTunes or whatever you look at your podcast because I know my last name is not the easiest to spell, <laughs> but you'll find it. Or you can just email info at ilsuccess.com. I want to hear from you guys. I want to see how I can help you. And we're doing this for you. So... Please give me some feedback to give us more energy to do more. And uh, our journey continues here with the I Love Success podcast to just help more people, talk with more interesting guys, and that's why we're here today. So let me introduce this week's guest. And uh, I'm here with a guy with a mission that I really, really love. He wants to co-create clean air, water, soil, and peace on earth. And as with most incredible human beings, there's usually more to the story. Troy Casey was on his own at 14 and ended up in juvenile hall, escaped and get, got caught three states away in Cheyenne, Wyoming of all states, all places. <laughs> and after juvie, he finished senior year and college before he traveled the world as a Versace model to cities like Milano, Tokyo, New York City, London, Paris, and Miami. Of course, this included a lot of sex, drugs, and rock and roll as well. <laughs> and a lot of pain and adventures later, Troy moved, moved to Los Angeles and immersed himself in comedy, vipassana meditation, and other healing arts. So let's just welcome a man dedicated to put out a positive energy into the world. Welcome, Troy, the certified health nut, Casey. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Peter, thanks yeah. so much for having me on, man. I, I really appreciate it. I appreciate the work that you're doing in the world. Thank you. And I mean, it's so lovely how people with the same energy got connected. Shout out to Carl for just kind of connecting us. And I told you before we started recording, my friends uh, uh, in Sweden told me about you. Like, hey, this guy, you got to talk to this guy. 
And a couple of weeks later, I hadn't had the time to reach out to you and then just this happened. So, Synchronicity, Carl hooked us up. Yeah, do you, do, you, do you believe that the universe works in our favor? Absolutely. I mean, everything's energy. So thoughts are energy. And, you know, material, everything that we see in the room is, con is condensed thoughts manifest yeah. manifested into the material realm. So everything that we see inside this office building, anything that's not nature was created in the mind of man. And thoughts coalesce. And so, and I think uh, Rupert, Sh Rupert Sheldrake wrote the book on morphogenetic resonance, uh, the morphogenetic field, the, the idea sphere, the thought, um, um, uh, the thought sphere, if you will. And Wade Davis gave a great TED talk in 2006 uh, on this exact subject. And so we're all connected. We're all connected through energy. The whole universe is energy. And so to understand that, it's about frequency and vibration. It sounds like we're on uh, the same vibratory range. We're thinking about the bigger picture, right? We yeah. want to give back to the community. We were, we're gifted, and so we want to give back. And so we're using our talents and gifts for that. That's beautiful. And uh, I want to talk more about like what you're doing and your mission. But let's kind of go back and if... I just want you to, for, for a moment, to kind of go back to that kind of like 14, 15 year old uh, young man, like at, in juvenile hall, like what was going on your mind at that point? Yeah, Peter, that's a good question. <laughs> so, um, you know, my, my parents had, um, my, my parents had their own challenges and, uh, and I think, uh, you know, my dad didn't like being in the system. My parents were, were, were hippies. We went out to the Summer of Love in 1967 in San Francisco. We were flower children, if you will. Um, and then my dad, you know, he moved back to Connecticut, took care of us, and worked to buy a house. This is back when you could buy a house. I think he was making like $18,000 a year. And, you know, he bought a house for $50,000 on a lake, which is, you know, late 70s yeah. right it was actually possible then with a with a regular union job uh and i think just after a while he kind of got just sick of working for the man he was working uh night shift and uh you know that's very detrimental to your health you know we're not nocturnal beings we're supposed to sleep at night yeah. and uh after about you know 10 years or so that started to wear on him and he connected with some of his friends and they were uh they filled a boat off the coast of New England with a bunch of blonde Lebanese hash. And so they had access to all this hashish. Another one of his friends had some cocaine drops missed in Miami, Florida. And so they both kind of got in the drug trade and they were friends with my father. And then my, my father was in Connecticut at the time and uh, he started putting this uh, product on the market. And of course the feds or the, mo the mob's gonna want their cut, you know? And uh, one of the fed, one of the guys he was hanging out with partying with and, and, uh, and dealing with was actually uh, uh, worked for the FBI. And so they ended up popping him. They, they caught him with um, a bunch of uh, hash and some cash. And, you know, um, so that, 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 that bust broke up my family. And so, uh, and I had already had some trials and tribulations. I think we repeat, you know, kind of the stuff our parents go through. My father grew up in an orphanage and you know, so there were some troubles in the house as it was. And so I started leaving the home at an early age. And, uh, and uh, 
then they got you know in trouble with the law and then my family split up and I went to go stay with some of their 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 friends out in San Francisco and uh, and I got into my own trouble you know um, and I was always a bit of a rebel anyhow you know I never liked authority and uh, so I got kicked out of every school that I ever went to until it was college until for I was fighting or just for you know, insubordination, that was a big one. I know that one. Uh, just basically, just not listening. I mean, yeah. look, now I know about the school system. You know, it's the industrial age school system. They're making cogs in the wheel for corporations and I'm not a slave. And so I saw that early on, call it whatever you want, rebelliousness, you know, uh, insubordination. Basically, sit down and shut up didn't work for me. Yeah. So, and I'm a very dynamic, moving person. It's like I've always yeah. got to move. And, uh, and sitting in four walls and, you know, just didn't work for me in school. Now, when I went to college, I was motivated to better myself and do my own studies. And when I got incarcerated as a youth, I, I got locked up for, uh, for a while until I turned 18. And uh, I started studying voraciously all the classics, all the literary classics that I'd missed in high school. Um, and I just started doing my own work. I was motivated to do my own thing. Uh, kind of self-taught type of thing, yeah. and uh, so then I, you know, I, I did well. I did well enough in school to to, to have a good uh, GPA. I think I had a three point six or something like that, and uh, you know, it wasn't bad. Um, and uh, well, it wasn't a four point It was actually good. Three point six is actually good, yeah. you know. Nice. And so, uh, so, um, but I was. I, I wasn't motivated. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know who I was. And this is in coming in, in my upcoming book. And that's why I think men especially uh, need to understand their dream, their purpose, their legacy. Really understand that. Become the author of their own life, you know. Um, what kind of role mo models do you have when, you, when you're in UV? Because there's a lot of kids that have problems with their families, just like you had, and they end up in a bad situation. And do you end... Does, do, did, you, did you end up better or worse when you came out? And like, what do you want to say about the other people there as well? Well, the system, the system will keep you in the system, bottom line. I am grateful that I got arrested before I was 18 because I was a juvenile. If I had been put in the system, I would have gotten put in prison. I would have had to fight for my life. Um, you know, I'm hard to kill as it is, so I'm sure I would have just gotten more hard. Right. So I'm so grateful that it happened when I was a juvenile and that I didn't get in, in extensive trouble when I was an adult, no felonies, etc. And so um, so my role models, I guess, when I was when I was in juvenile hall, I, I, I read I read voraciously. I read Dostoevsky. I read I read, you know, the literary classics helped me, but also I would read periodicals. I read Muscle and Fitness, so I was inspired by, you know, people improving their body. I started lifting weights in juvenile hall. I had some counselors. I had a counselor that went to Penn State, and uh, uh, he was, I think he went on a scholarship for uh, uh, track and field. And so I admired him. There was something uh, unique about him. Some of the counselors I really liked. There was also some... Uh, people that came in, I lived in Marin County and, you know, it's a cross between the yuppies and the hippies and, you know, it's an affluent community as well. So there was some good people that came in from the community. And there was this one lady um, who came in and taught Gerald Jampolsky's work, Love is Letting Go of Fear. And, and she was very giving and uh, I was able to learn a lot from her. 
And uh, I also had some good teachers in high school that I submitted work to because I had all the time on my hands. So I would read and then I would do book reports and I submitted a lot of work while I was in there. So I did, I worked on myself as much as possible. That's when I start, first started lifting weights. Um, I read voraciously, did the best I could. I fought with my counselors though. <laughs> I mean, I, I was on, uh, because I escaped and they caught me in Cheyenne, Wyoming, I was on lockdown the whole time I was there. <laughs> How did you escape? Was it hard or was it an easy escape? Well, it was kind of a technicality thing. <laughs> what, what happened was is um, I went to court and court was outside of the gates, right? Uh, and I was walked by my probation officer and, uh, and we went into the courthouse and the courthouse wasn't secure, right? And my PO went to go talk to somebody and, uh, and all of a sudden I saw one of my high school buddies there, Kenny Boatwright. And Kenny used to, his dad was a big, you know, hot rod guy and had a, had a mechanic shop and would build, you know, amazing hot rods and paint them with flames on them. He was that guy. And Kenny, <laughs> he would throw these race car motors in his mom's Corvette and then roll the thing down the driveway at nighttime <laughs> and go out there and smoke tire, right? And the cops caught him. So he was there as a juvenile, like, um, tickets, but you're not, I don't even think he had like a regular license. And there he was at exhibition of speed, reckless driving, you know, he was, he was in trouble, you know, but Kenny's mom spoiled him a little bit and, and she wasn't the sharpest uh, tool in the shed. And, uh, there I was, I was like, I started looking both ways. My PO is gone. I went to the bathroom and I just, I knew I, they were going to give me a lot of time. I knew they were going to give me until my 18th birthday. And so, uh, so I started looking both ways and, uh, and then I go, Hey Kenny, man, you think I can stay over your house? <laughs> and he, he literally turns to his mom and he's like not quiet either. He goes, mom, can Troy stay at the house? And she's like, sure, Kenny, no problem. <laughs> like the, the mom didn't even put two and two together. You know, I'm sitting there in, you know, juvenile hall clothing and everything. And so as soon as he said that, I just looked both ways and I walked out this one door and then I walked around the perimeter because the, uh, the juvenile hall and the courthouse was right next to each other. So I just walked around the perimeter. As soon as I got to a certain level, I just started sprinting. And the weird thing, it was a hot summer day. And if anybody's been to Northern California, it's on Lucas Valley Road. George Lucas, who did Star Wars, has uh, uh, Industrial Light and Magic. It's his whole Star Wars studio is out there. It's very hot um, in that area. And so I found my way up onto a fire road and... Uh, um, I got, I instantly got parched and I was, I think the adrenaline was pumping through me as well. And, uh, I just started going on the fire roads and I, I didn't really know where I was. It wasn't my neighborhood. Uh, it was Kenny Boatwright's neighborhood and one of his good friends. And I literally went down this one trail into this guy's backyard and it was Kenny's friend, my friend too. And I went in there and I was safe. And then I started calling around and sure enough, I called my girlfriend at the time. The cops were looking for me. Um, they were staking out everything. And so basically I stayed there for a day or so. And then I got on a, a Greyhound bus and I was going to go to my grandmother's house in Connecticut. <laughs> right. I'm just a kid. You know, this is before the Internet. This is before, you know, 
they, they had radios and stuff like that, but no computers, no computers in the car or anything. And so they were all just trying to handle stuff by phone. And cops play all sorts of tricks. You know, oh, well, he told us this, so therefore you better tell us the truth or you're going to get it too. You know, they, yeah. use, they lie to you, basically. And so uh, by the time I got on the bus, uh, they were harassing my girlfriend and my girlfriend's mom at the time. And, uh, and so they, they were, she was just like, you'll never catch him. He's, he's, he left the state. He's on a bus <laughs> to Connecticut or whatever. Oh, so wow. they just waited for me in, in Nebraska and Omaha, Nebraska, all the major cities that I stopped in. So sure enough, you know, uh, if you've never traveled this country, this country is amazing. And cruising through the, the breadbasket and, and Nebraska, and it's like desolate. It's the plains. It's desolate. And all of a sudden we come into this little town. It reminds you of like a cowboy town. And this is Cheyenne, Wyoming. It's not, I mean, it's still a state capital. And so you come in and there was like seven cop cars there. And I was like, oh my God. And this was 1983. And so uh, I was just like, and I had a little bit of marijuana on me at the time. And uh, Actually, we had stopped in like Reno, Nevada. I remember that. And I think I got out and smoked a joint because California, it wasn't necessarily legal back then, but they'd write you a ticket. They didn't really hassle you for that. But somebody in, in, in Las Vegas, in, in, in Nevada, the state of Nevada, told me you'd get seven years for it. So don't let them catch you. And I was like, oh, shit. And so I left it in my jacket pocket. And when the cops came on, they go, is that jacket yours? And I was like, nope. <laughs> and then... Uh, I, got, I, I spent seven days in jail, and I wasn't from Cheyenne. I looked out the window. There was nothing there. There was like a couple horses out in the field. And I was in this juvenile cell with these other kids. And, you know, I don't know if people have ever been locked up before, but it's, it's a pain in the ass. You know, it really is. You really, as soon as you don't have your freedom, like freedom's everything. And so I was just like, shit, I didn't know what to do. So... Uh, California wanted to extradite me and for me to go out there and go to go to court and due process and so I just signed the extradition papers so I had to wait seven days and uh, they extradited me and uh, my probation officer was 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 pissed uh, that I got away and so uh, (laughs) anyway so I ended up back there and um, and then I just did my time and, and luckily they just let me out when I when I, when I turned 18. And so, uh, I think, I think the angels have always been with me quite a bit, you know, sometimes, sometimes a heavy dose of medicine, heavy dose of tough shit, you know, really helps you wake up. So when I got out, I was very grateful for my life. I was very grateful. I got out for my senior year in high school. I did all that work when I was in juvenile hall and I went to my principal who had kicked me out uh, a year, year or so before. And I said, uh, he laughed at me. He goes, what are you, 20? You probably need like 60 credits to graduate. And I said, no, look, I just turned 18 and I need 15 credits. That's three classes, you know? He's like, show me a transcript and I'll let you in. And I had the best year of my life, you know, senior year. Who, who, who doesn't want that to be the best? And it was great. And, uh, and I learned my lesson to a certain degree. I can't say I didn't break the law. <laughs> from that point on, but at least I didn't get caught. How about that? (laughs) I'm curious about like, what's your take on happiness? Like how, how do we create happiness in life? And are you happy? (laughs) 
Yeah, I'd like to hope, I hope to think I'm happy. Uh, you know, happiness to me is uh, being present with emergent present moment reality. And just, even if you don't like it, you still got to, the more you can be present with it, you know, that and also defining what you desire, what your heart's desire is. If you're putting yourself in a scenario that you don't like, then, then have the balls enough to not be codependent. State that if you're in a job that you don't like, if you're in a relationship that you don't like, if it's not who you are right now, then start you know, making plans to make an exit. Now, if you have children, that's a, that's a different scenario because that's a responsibility. Um, and at the, at the end of the day, let's not go into a bunch of self beat up, you know, let's, you do, you're a human being, you're doing the best you can, uh, you know, try and forgive yourself, try and, you know, what I do with, with men, especially in the men's work that I'm doing is I help them write their own purpose, dream and legacy, really figure out what their purpose is. I've got a few exercises, uh, they're all in my book, but uh, I'll give you the best exercise is write your eulogy. Go home tonight, write your eulogy. You're dead as a doornail, your best friend's up on the podium, you're in the casket right down there. Oh, but this is the life this brother has lived, you know? And just become the author. Become the authority of your own life. Write it out, man. Couple paragraphs, maybe you wanna do, you know, three or four pages, I don't know. You know, maybe you wanna write a book, who knows? But let it flow from your heart, no filters. You are dead anyways, so meditate on that, right? Live a life worth living. So that's, I mean, that's ultimately, you know, one of the good, good paths. I think Bruce Lee used to talk about that. You know, what's the key to immortality? Living a life worth living. You know, be excited about life, accept death. Your spiritual spacesuit's gonna wear out, you know? Eventually it's gonna wear out. But the spirit inside of you, the essence that's inside of you, the little voice that's talking inside of your head and the whole essence of your being, that's always gonna be there, in my humble opinion. And I think the key to immortality is understanding that there is no ultimate death. It's all energy. The, the, the interesting thing is talking about death and uh, like talking about Bruce Lee, I, I love that guy, he's my inspiration. He was so philosophical, but also this strong fighter, right? So, so where do we, like, do you fear death? Um, yeah, I like to think that I don't. No? You know, death's a part of life. I'm not afraid of death. Yeah. I know that, you know, I'm gonna live, my objective as a health practitioner and an advocate for healthy lifestyle, my objective is to live till the day I die, right? To move, that's why I love the Qigong, to move my body till the day I die. How did you, how did you get into Qigong and how has that changed your life? My mentor taught me Qigong and uh, um, he taught me some rudimentary moves, some super basic moves that move all the joints in the body. Watched a couple of YouTube videos, picked a little bit up from Chrome Gracie, just, just stuff here and there and just started implementing it. And then I would go, I was at the Grand Canyon one time and I saw, um, 
this old, I saw this uh, bus full of Asian people get off at the Grand Canyon. And there I was doing some stretches and maybe some dips or something. It was middle of the day. I was a little tired, very hot, right? And so uh, there's this Asian woman just going like this, moving her arm. Right, back and forth. And I was just like, that confirmed. She was just doing the most simplest basic move and it didn't look like she learned that in a Qigong class. And I was just like, that just confirmed what I'd already been doing. So I've been doing Qigong for about eight years and now Qigong is doing me. So it's just free flow movement. I try and get it as smooth as possible and move as many joints as I can and also move into my kinks. Yeah. Movement is life, right? Yes. Yeah. A body, in motion, a body in motion stays in mo motion. Yeah. I'm a martial artist and uh, I do yoga as well. And I love movement because it also helps my mind. Yes. Because once I move and truly are in flow, I can't think of any, anything else. Yes. Uh, so wh where are your, like when, when does Troy Casey just feel fucking amazing? Well, currently it's kind of all the time. <laughs> It really is. Yeah. You know, I've been through enough pain. I've been through enough understanding. Uh, I've quelled my fighting spirit. It's still in me. I've got a big mission. I'm channeling everything into my mission. I'm using my mind to focus everything. I've, I, uh, I have some clients and some friends that are high-performance athletes, uh, motocross guys, Robbie Madison and Rhino Ryan Hughes. And, you know, I study the grades. I look at, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and... You know, you use the mind as a tool to cut through the fabric of reality. And so, you know, that's my big mission right now. Um, and staying limber and fluid and flowing and on my bike and smiling and enjoying myself and using social media to make other people laugh and turn them on. And, and it's just becoming a joy. And then when I go home, you know, I'm working with my kids and working with my family. My commitment for years has been to be the best father and the best husband I can be. Even when I'm falling on my face, that's my commitment, right? Mm -hmm. Even when I lose my cool or, you know, things aren't working out. So I make sure, you know, the meditation, the yoga, this is my self-medicine. I used to use alcohol, cocaine, uh, uh, commercial cigarettes, et cetera, et cetera, to self-medicate. And now I use breath work, bicycle riding, sunshine, grounding. These are all non-negotiables. Um, you know, uh, I fix my gut microbiome, high quality nutrition, fasting, you know, everything I do, cold water therapy, everything that I do is to keep me sharp, yeah. keep me energetic and keep me sharp. And from there, um, then I'm more available for other people. Again, men used to kill or be killed. We'd be out walking in the wild. You're in the wild. You're in nature. The rhythms of nature are going to balance you out. And we're unbalanced right now. We're in four corner walls. We got Wi-Fi, electromagnetic pollution, electromagnetic radiation. You've got chemicals and formaldehyde coming off rugs and furniture and all this stuff. And, 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 then, and then we're supposed to act in society like everything's okay. And let me tie this noose around my neck, you know, and put on these tight fitting shoes, you know. And it's just like... You know, I want to be in loose-fitting stuff. I want to be in organic cotton. I want to actually, I want to be as naked as I possibly can be out in the sun. You know, that's part of the reason why I live in California. So I think if we can manage and mitigate these stressors as much as possible, 
uh, and get back into nature, get back into natural environments as much as possible, natural food as much as possible, you know, clean natural water, uh, uh, good sleep patterns, lots of research done on sleep. We live in this hustle grind world, but the fact of the matter is we need you know, eight hours is, an, is a good average. Rising and falling with the celestial realms, the moon and the sun, this is, these are things that our hormones are wired to. You can't change that with some blue lights, right? And lo and behold, Dr. Jack Krause is discovering all the harm from non-native blue light, right? These lights are screwing with our hormones. Elevated cortisol will break the body down. Gluconeogenesis is, is, is real, muscle wasting, you know? These types of stress-related inflammation markers, they're, they're real. And butt sunning, like, <laughs> is, is that a real thing? <laughs> well, I mean, let's, let's just look at it objectively. So, so first of all, my, if the viewers don't know this, my, my friend, uh, Ra of Earth, uh, a uh, good friend of mine, he's elite CrossFit. Like this guy's no schlep. This guy's elite CrossFit guy. His name was Ronnie Teasdale. He was a hockey player. Um, and now he, he got into yoga. He's always been into kind of esoteric teachings. Even when he was training CrossFit, he would do, he wouldn't train CrossFit. He would just compete CrossFit and he would win. So um, he studied Kundalini yoga and he teaches that on the internet. And uh, he studies about our hair and, you know, how the human body functions and, um, and he did a video that Johnny Knoxville shared and it went viral and the whole activity went viral for about almost two months and the Colbert report, it was in Rolling Stones. I'm friends with him. I did a post on it. It's called butthole sunning, hashtag butthole sunning. <laughs> Basically, you've got the weakest mucous membrane in the body. Maybe the nose might be a little bit weaker, but so the butthole is uh, one of the most sensitive mucous membranes in the body and you've got the source of all life on planet. And he said, get 30 seconds of it in your asshole and it's going to charge you up better than a cup of coffee and more than it would be standing in the sun with your clothes on all day. I've already known that naked sun, you know, when I'm in nature and I'm naked, sometimes I get a boner. It's like, it's, it's weird. All that energy. I like naked sun. I'm a sun worshiper. And so, but where can you get naked? I, I get naked here. I go to Desert View. There's a, there's a place out here, which there's no tourists in there. Do you know where Desert View is? No. In the Grand Canyon? It's on the east entrance. And so, uh, so the bottom line is, is uh, uh, naked sun, you know, makes you feel amazing. And then get it in your butthole or on your perineum. And I've been hearing that for years. If you get it on your perineum, which is your scrotum, or in between your anus and your genitals, uh, it's, it's good for uh, testosterone boost. So who doesn't want to try that? Who doesn't yeah. want? Did it work? Did you feel? I love Naked Sun, yeah. period. Yeah. I mean, do I want to quantify it? I feel great <laughs> after I do it. Yeah. <laughs> do I have any scientific proof? I feel great. I mean, and, and if you look at what light does and, and how our gut microbiome and, our, and a woman's microbiome is in, her, in their vagina and some women have candida overgrowth, it's excellent for that as well. You know, fungus, parasites, any of that stuff. So get sun on your body. Don't be afraid of the sun. You know, up your nutrient intake so that your body is... Uh, uh, can handle more radiation. Make sure you got good beta carotene, superoxide dismutase. Basically, eat the rainbow greens, you know, greens, yellows, reds. These are going to protect you against the sun. Acclimate yourself. And again, a lot of the 
the stories that went viral were all clickbait. All, yeah. Rolling Stone, they didn't even do the research. Yeah. They didn't call us, yeah. and they didn't try it, it themselves. Yeah. They were just, it was conjecture. It was opinion. That's how it always, always is, right? And, uh, but one thing that I, I wanted to ask you as well, because I have had Leo de Machida and the Machida family on a couple of times on my show as well. And their father, he drinks the first urine oh, ev every, every morning. Yeah. And so I, just, I was just curious, like... Do they? They do. The yeah. brothers do it? Uh, yes, they do. But they yeah. don't do it all the time now, but they, their father do it all the time yeah. because the father read an article about an Indian doctor yeah. who yeah. said it was good. So just curious, like, is, what are the effects that you're seeing by doing that? Well, I saw somebody in the gym today and they, they say, oh, you keep getting younger. I, I, I don't know. I, mean, I got gray hairs in my beard and stuff. I'm, I'm 54. I tell you, I wake up every morning and I love my urine and I know what's going on with my body depending on what it tastes like. And I read and heard and blah, blah, blah back in the day and I just tried it. It's like the butthole sunning. Try it. it. It might not be right for everyone. If you're on medical drugs and eating shit food, I don't recommend doing urine therapy. But I love it and it's, it's like a hair of the dog. It's, a, it's like a neurobiofeedback just gives you information on what's going on with your body what's sick what what needs to be changed and uh yeah i've been doing it for 15 years i wasn't so religious but then a couple of years ago my friend uh my friend challenged me to a seven day urine fast where i just looped my urine and uh he also helped me understand about aged urine fermented urine and then he, he cured himself of cancer so first of all that's what happened with him and he's a Swedish national so he's an American guy but he had uh, socialized medicine so he went back there to get chemo he went chemo and then the doctors are like well it looks like chemo didn't work we're gonna have to take out your lymph nodes and the guy's like 29 years old and he was like I, I think I want to keep my lymph nodes <laughs> he went home get on the internet researched, found urine therapy, looped his urine for three weeks, came back, and they couldn't find the, the, the cancer. So, so, and he was my breathwork uh, coach, and so I listened to him, and uh, I'd already been doing urine therapy. We made a bunch of videos on my YouTube channel. So I started doing the aged urine enemas. How I got into health was my own digestion. As a model, I used to bloat and get all inflamed from eating probably gluten and you know, processed foods and stuff. So that's how, you know, my journey into health started and nutrition. And then what happened was, is uh, I had constipation for most of my adult life. It, it took me years to figure out the gluten piece, just like all these pieces and get my fasting regimen down. And then what happened was he told me about the aged urine enemas and I tried it. And the shit that came out of my ass was insane. And my digestion has never been better. My six-pack abs and my stomach that's so flat, I could never do that when I was younger. I'd have to hold that in place. Now it's just, it's just washboard. It's flat. And that's because I rectified it. And, uh, and was it the aged urine enemas? I think it had something really to do, especially if you look at the bacteria that comes out of you and you populate it down there. And if it's been problematic since you've been vaccinated and took antibiotics as a child and messed up the gut microbiome 
seems like I just repopulated it. Plus it's got like ammonia and these weird parasites came out of me. I mean, it's just strong. It goes up there, it burns, and then stuff comes out of your, out of your butt. My gut's never been better. <laughs> I mean, I'm taking, you know, people think sex is great. I think you underestimate a good shit, you know? <laughs> it's like an every day, it feels like I'm giving birth. I'm like, oh, the urge comes. And let me tell you, my quest for health, I had like 26, seven, eight years searching. How do I take a good shit? I'm constipated, fuck. That's how I got into fasting. That's how I got into calming my nervous system with meditation. You know, I got into Taoist stomach massage, breath work. So does urine therapy work? I don't know. <laughs> You know, it worked for me. Yeah, interesting. And um, we're running out of time. We, I, I can, I feel like I can talk. I can talk to you for like ten hours because you, there's so much to you and your story and who you are. So I guess we we'll, we'll have to do this again. But the last thing that I want to ask you, something that I ask all my guests, and that is when people are done watching and listening to the, to this show, if they want to get a little bit closer to their dreams or whatever their mission and legacy is. What is the one thing they should do right now? Do the eulogy we talked about earlier. Become the author of your own life. Become the authority of your own life. Write your eulogy of the life that you leave behind before you die. So then you can start moving towards that divine providence. Once you're clear, it acts like a roadmap. You can develop it, the other aspect of it. So basically you could use some wordsmithing, write your eulogy, but use some wordsmithing. You know, what, what do you love to do? Um, and then your statement should look like this and you should put it up on your refrigerator, your screensaver, your dashboard, whatever. I am X, Y, and Z creating X, Y, and Z. So, and one of the first questions I ask, do you want to have kids? And men and women can do this, but especially men. Men, it's a mandatory. So write your eulogy and then boil it down into an I am statement. I am X, Y, and Z, um, creating X, Y, and Z. So my mission, um, my I am statement is I am, I, am a, I am a humble, kind, and gentle man. My mission is to raise human consciousness and change all systems. My vision is clean air, water, soil, and equitable systems for all mankind in my lifetime. So that's a little bit more extended, but... You. No, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm so grateful that we got connected by the universe and Carl, of course. And uh, like, it's just incredible, this mission that I'm on and I get to meet people like yourself. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Anyway, we can help you. Let us know. Uh, yeah, and my book's coming out. So yeah, when, when is it launching? TroyCasey.com, the, 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 uh, the website should be finished any any moment. There's a website in place right now. The book can be ordered from there. Um, we're giving away one of my online courses with the hardcover. We're, we're going to have a limited edition uh, art book. Uh, we put a lot of development into the cover and, and everything. Collector's item. So we're doing a collector's item uh, because I'm publishing everything myself. I don't have a publishing company behind me. Uh, I, I wanted to do that. And digital world is amazing right now. So, um, and then of course the digital is, is basically ready. So it, it's all going to be happening with, within the week. 
and it can be ordered right now at troycasey.com. Awesome. We'll put the link. Thanks again. And thank you, everybody, for watching and listening to this show. Uh, we need your help to, to be on this mission. Uh, we need people like yourself to sharing this with other people, to raise consciousness in the world, to get more people on board on living a life worth living, right? Yes. Do that. If you want more conversations, check us out at ilovesuccess.co. Give us a review and hit me up. I'm super grateful for all of you all over the world. I wouldn't be able to do this without you guys. Thanks again and talk to you soon. <music>